0: Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I am your host, Tamala Shaw. Today, I have Kim Kimball with me. She is a certified life coach. She hits on a lot of different, you know, subjects, but codependency is a big one for her. So we are very, very happy to have you here, Kim. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Tamala. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So As I was telling you earlier, I've been on your website. You tell a lot about yourself, which is so wonderful. You know, we like it when people are willing to put themselves out there so that people will know who they're working with. So I'm going to actually hand you the floor so you can tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah. Well, thank you so
1: much. Um, As you said, I'm a certified and holistic life coach and sort of my journey to that has been a long and winding one that I'll just fill in a little bit of my backstory, um, for a moment. So, you know, I think we always teach what we most needed to know, um, and, and what we lived through ourselves and, and what our biggest struggles and difficulties were. And then we turn that wound hopefully into, uh, something that we can help others with their own healing with, um, and for me, I grew up in a home where my sister was an addict and alcoholic ever since I was nine years old, and that there was multiple decades of that. And so, um, of course, that's really where codependency wiggled its way in for me because I was young, it it affected my development in some really major ways, uh, my relational skills, my understanding of the world. Obviously, there was so much chaos around me. My parents did a great job with a very difficult situation. Um, but, you know, it was very chaotic in my home because of everything that was going on. And I essentially learned in my childhood brain, this wasn't anything that my parents told me, but it was what I intuited from the situation. And what I intuited was if I can try to control everything around me, then maybe I'm going to be okay. Right. Like the only control I have is to control other people and to control the circumstances and control everything around me. And then maybe I can get some rest and
0: I can feel okay. Cause you can fix it. You felt like if I can just control it, navigate the situation, I can fix it and everything will be fine. Right. So understand. And of course,
1: that never happened. Um, the, The moment where everything could just fall into place with the external circumstances didn't happen. Right. Um, and then what ended up happening, you know, as I, I, I went away to college and that gave me some reprieve cause I did go away to school. Oh, yeah. Um, then I ended up, you know, I actually got my doctorate in physical therapy. So I know we're going to get into, you know, some of the mind body connections that I do, but that's obviously I have doctorate level education and anatomy, physiology, neuroanatomy, all this sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so I spent many years of study, and and then after that is really when I started getting into you know my romantic relationships and romantic years and wanting to find a partner and things of that nature. And that's really where these patterns of behavior started to really like come to the surface and show themselves, if you would. Um, and what ended up happening was my parents got a very sudden divorce after 41 years of a seemingly extremely happy marriage that none of us expected it, which obviously threw me for a huge loop. And around the same time, a relationship that I thought for sure was going to end in marriage, I thought this was my person, um, ended. And so I was left just reeling with you know multiple traumatic events back to back and just really not understanding, you know, very disorienting and, and, and realizing that I had been really wanting external circumstances to line up in order for me to be happy in my own life. I was still doing the, let's look to externals to change in order for Kim to be happy and okay. Right. Um, And I just got to a point at that point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just really reached a bottom if you would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided at that point, I quit my job. I backpacked around the world by myself for four months with just, you know, a backpack on my back. That was it. Phenomenal. Yeah. And I You're just so got brave so, so brave. You know, and everybody says that Tamala, and I feel like this is me. everybody, everybody's different, but like I feel like to stay would have been more frightening at that point. That's how it felt. Like it was just such an extreme, I just I just had to do it. It just felt so necessary at that point right. in time based on where I was. And so, um, I'm not downplaying at all. There was certainly a lot of fear involved and it right. takes
0: a lot of courage. but I think it would have been courage both ways. I think, yeah. you know, if you, if you really think about it, when, when we're placed in these situations in childhood, sometimes you just need to breathe. Yeah. Right. I think that was your, I need to go breathe, take yeah. care of me. Then I can come back and face what I need to face. Yeah. Right. So I I could see it both ways. Cause it is definitely um, a situation where you have to face what's in front of you and what's going on. But I think, I still think it's very brave to be able to just <laughs> go out and backpack oh my gosh that's you know yeah. it's freeing, it's freeing. <laughs> yeah for sure so during that
1: time i just got super clear on like who i am what i want my values um what's working what's not working and i came back i had a business idea i discovered life coaching and it felt like literally all the keys fell into place it felt like i had the key that i just found the door and was able to unlock it you know Um, Everything fell into place within me. And and the first time I received coaching, I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do a thousand percent. This feels like my calling. This is it. Um, And then when I went to my life coach certification and I was going through that, I had already had decades worth of therapy at that point, Mm -hmm. but the coaching unlocked something within me as far as my healing on a much deeper level than I had received in therapy. And I'm not trying to knock therapy, but it was something about the empowering tools and the, the level of understanding that I was given about my own thoughts and my own emotions and my own like behavioral patterns that was just very different for me. That was really empowering. Um, and then I started my business and I've been at this for four years, helping other people.
0: Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of my back journey. That's so good. I love that. And, you know, I love that you said that there, especially for you, may not, may not be for everyone, but it was for me as well. There was a difference in going to a counselor, being diagnosed in all of that extra, the homework, the this, the that, rather than when I received a coach, you know, and had coaching, yeah. it was literally like walking through myself. Yes. You know, because we all have our answers, yes. but you got to figure out the questions first, right? Yeah. So it I, I feel as though there, there's a big difference as well. So mm-hmm. I really want to get into the mind body based approach because mm-hmm. I received, I'm actually a health coach as well. And mm-hmm. I've, I've moved into that. Because my mother is a recovering alcoholic Mm. and had a lot of uh alcoholism in my family. So I come by coach Tennessee, honestly. (laughs) Better believe it. (laughs) So I really always felt as though nutrition and physical the physical aspects of our body makes a big difference. I really, really feel as though the foods that you eat that just Everything. It's all. I feel like all the answers is right here. You just have to, like you said, be able to unlock that door. So, can yeah. you tell me a little bit about the mind and body based approach that you use?
1: Yeah, I love that you have that same mentality and that you find it so connected. Um, you know, I, I have 13 years of clinical experience as a physical therapist and helping people feel heal their physical bodies. Mm -hmm. And in that world, the mental isn't discussed and, and I can hit a wall with people's physical healing because of the levels, levels of stress they're experiencing, the way that they're internalizing stress, you know, their behavioral patterns. And, and I see the representation of that in their bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, in coaching or in therapy or really in the mental health world, we're doing the same thing just in reverse. If we're not taking the physical into account, right? We need to understand that as human beings, we are mind, we are body, we are spirit. That is all rolled into one. And if we cannot take all of that into account, you are, you are, um, it's almost like having a tricycle and taking the wheel off one yes. wheel off and trying yes. to ride a bike. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, and so, you know, as far as my, the way that I approach things is I think that the, the nervous system is sort of the base of everything that I do, L- literally everything that I do, because your nervous system states determine your thoughts and and then if you, you know, so many times, like we've been to therapy for a long time or we can even have been to coaching for a long time. And and there can be this message that like, well, just change your mindset. Like, just, just think more positively, just da, 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 da. But, but like, you literally do not have access to different thoughts depending on what nervous system state you're in, right? So if nice. you are in fight or flight, your thoughts are going to be hypervigilant and you are going to be scanning for danger and you are going to think of the negative. There is no other way. You cannot think of anything else, That's right? Good. That's you good. cannot override your biology. You cannot do it. And so learning to um, understand, to, to feel and understand the cues of what nervous system state that you're in and like I said, we can't override our biology, but we can learn to work with it. Right. So like right. now when I know and feel that I'm in fight or flight, I have tools to regulate myself and to get myself back into regulation. And when I get back into regulation, then guess what? I have access to different thoughts. Right. right. But yes. until that moment, I don't have access to different thoughts. And then, you know, your thoughts determine your emotions. Mm-hmm. Right. And so by, by being mindful of the nervous system states, then I can access, have the flexibility. Flexibility is the word I want to use mm-hmm. where I can notice like, oh, I'm in regulation. So I can notice that if my thought isn't helpful, mm-hmm. I can have the flexibility to choose a different one And then that can have a huge impact on my emotions. And then guess what? Your emotions impact your physiology. So if I have an emotion that is stressing me out, it's Mm going to release cortisol, which is going to release, uh, you know, adrenaline, and then that's going to cause an inflammatory response in your body. So you see this whole loop that's happening here, right? Yes. And. And so that is why I started the base, which is the nervous system. And then I am having people really become aware of what those nervous system states are, really widening the capacity, having conscious choice to regulate their nervous system states, being able to, when they're in regulation, consciously choose different thoughts, which affects your emotions, which affects your physiology. And there's so much to say, too, even what you were talking about. Like, I just, you have to have awareness around, like, I know I cannot have caffeine. Caffeine is a stimulator of your nervous system. Right. And so like, I know that it's going to kick me into fight or flight when I have caffeine that, that includes, um, like uh, my system is incredibly sensitive to sugar and that has an incredibly stimulating effect to my nervous system. Right. Um, Same with alcohol. So I know I sound like I'm a lot of fun right now, but like I am no alcohol, no sugar, barely any chocolate, you know, type type of person. And that's because it keeps my nervous system regulated, you know, in my thoughts and my emotions um, and and have more flexibility in my behaviors that I'm able to choose. I love that. I love that.
0: And a lot of us, we don't know just the right, like you said, with the caffeine and all of that, I mean, it all, it all, it makes certain, it makes you, you make certain decisions, right? And you will understand more. If you sacrifice certain things, you'll understand more about the reason that you do certain things or act certain ways. So I love that you use the mind and body approach because it makes a difference. And that is true, holistic Coaching, yeah, yeah. right? I love that. So hitting on codependency, what are some of the codependent patterns that you see in your clients?
1: Yeah. um, Gosh, the, the major, major, major one that I see is the, the exact one that I talked about within myself, right? Of just constantly being so concerned about, about other people's behaviors, what other people are thinking of them, um, really that it's, it's flip-flopped in codependency and that we try so hard, you know, my clients try so hard to control other people, but which they have zero control over, and they mm-hmm. they are lacking control actually over themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that dynamic actually is very flip flopped in codependency, as I know you know. Yes. So it's this constant like focus outwards instead of inwards. There's a huge right. disconnection from self almost entirely a lot of the times where, there's a real lack of awareness of what their thoughts are, what their feelings are, you know, what their emotions, yeah. even what their behaviors are. There's just this needs. They they, they they don't know their own needs, much less, you know, know how to express them. Um, so all of this disconnection from self and and constant hyper vigilance and focus on others, you know, mind reading, Um, constantly thinking people are displeased with them, you know, this need to to constantly overgive is another yes. one, you know. No over, boundaries. Yes, no boundaries, overgiving to the point of depletion. And that that happens in romantic partnerships, it happens in friendships, it happens in work. It's just yeah. um, I get they get their worth and their value from I'm gonna compensate for not feeling valuable and not feeling worthy by making you believe that I am by how much I'm giving to you, right? Um The other pattern that I see a lot is really being attracted uh, in romantic partnerships to people who are emotionally unavailable, Um, just super, super common Um, people who aren't available whatsoever. The more unavailable they are, the more they're attracted to them. So (laughs) it's just like a magnet moth to a flame. Um, and then I also see in romantic partnerships, a lot, a a lot of enmeshment. And what I mean by that is that they just completely lose themselves entirely, lose their wants, their needs, their desires. Um, when they're in a romantic partnership, it really just becomes all about the other person and making sure the other person is happy and that the other person likes me, um, et cetera, et cetera. I also see on the flip side of the coin, and I don't think this gets talked about a lot, but I think this is something else that is honestly part of codependency. Code and it's just the flip side of the coin and that is hyper independence. So really just getting to the point where you get sick enough of the codependency code and you're aware of it. And then you're like, well, um, I don't need anybody then. And then you go to the flip side of the coin, and you're like uh, isolate, shut down, put walls up. And and That's instead of that, no boundaries or enmeshment, you've got I've got an iron wall, and literally nobody is welcome in. And then you've got isolation and loneliness, um, and and they really can't find like that middle ground that and all the, the swing, yeah.
0: To, yeah, to it's funny because I tell people all the time when you're an addict. Sometimes, like my, when my mom, when she was in recovery, she was okay with not having alcohol, but her sugar intake. Like, yes. Like yes. That focus that that addiction moves to a different yep, area. Yep. Then it went from that to. Going to different, um, being a part of different like social clubs. So that's where the attention went. Yeah. Right. So it's it's very extreme. When you're a, when you're an addict, you have very extreme natures, right? Yeah. So you feel like, okay, if I'm not gonna do this, I'm going to do the absolute opposite, but still in that extreme way, right? Yeah. But I love also how you talked about how you kind of lose yourself. I had someone tell me once that she was so into her husband and his mm. ways and the things that he was doing that she forgot what color was her favorite color. Oh my God! Someone asked yeah. her one day, what's yeah. her favorite color? And she was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know today uh, what yeah. my favorite color is because everything that I do, everything in the house and, you know, it's always on what his favorite color is. I thought that was, um, I was like, you forgot what your favorite color was. But that's how extreme it can be. And um, I'm just grateful that there are people out here that are sharing their stories and being able to coach people through these different circumstances, because it can be, it can be very extreme. And a lot of people feel like, um, you know, when it's codependency, that it has to look a certain way. Hmm. When in all actuality, codependence make it look good, you know? Oh, I was
1: going to say, <laughs> I know plenty of codependence that if you look from the outside, you are like, that is a strong, independent woman, you know? Right. Um, and on the inside, there is so much fear and anxiety and, and you know, worry and, and, and rumination on what other people are thinking about them. And so, That's just one of those things, you know, that we cannot judge somebody's outsides by your insides and and vice versa. But I I did want to say too, with the addiction that you're talking about, the the addiction kind of moving is just, you know, that's because you're buffering it with something else, you know? And of course, I know, you know, that I just want to highlight that for your audience. The audience
0: needs to hear it. Exactly. Yes,
1: Is that, is that you are, whatever, whatever you got, Whatever sort of like emotional regulation you got from, let's say, a substance, um, mm-hmm. now you're trying to get it from either another substance or from a person or from whatever else. And until you learn to regulate that within yourself, you're yeah, always going was- to be, um, you know, buffering it or avoiding it with something mm-hmm. else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that surface. I tell people, um, you know, we always look at problems that are on the surface but it's the under the surface. It's down there where the seaweed and all of that. Stuff <laughs> <is>. <laughs> That's where you got to get in order to find out, you know, why you have that surface issue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we were talking about boundaries and I know a lot of people, they have, they have trouble expressing their boundaries. So how do you f- suggest people have hard conversations? Mm, mm-hmm.
1: The first thing that I suggest, and I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, so I'm glad this is set up here. Nervous system regulation first, right? Because so often we will go into a conversation and we are so incredibly activated and we are, um, and I'm not saying that there's not going to be some level of anxiety or nerves, but like not not to go into a conversation if you are so keyed up. The chances of it going well are not good when we're going into it when we're like in a state of fight or flight, or even if we're frozen. So I really teach my clients, first of all, to to make sure that they are kind of bookending their conversations with things mm-hmm. that feel regulating, that bring them into the present moment, that help them feel calm and centered and present and here. Um and then I always tell people, you know, to remind themselves of like, a lot of people have had some really bad experiences with asserting themselves and with, um, with boundaries and sort of having kind of conflict type conversations. And so reminding yourself of what you're doing it for before you go into doing it, right? Reminding yourself of what you hope the outcome will be Mm -hmm. reminding yourself that you doing this is, is a step of trust, that it's a step of vulnerability, that it's a step to creating what you actually want to see. Um, and, and kind of pep talking yourself with like, if I don't do this, what, what, what's the, what's the outcome there, right? Right.
0: What does that look Um, like? What does it
1: look like if I continue to avoid this conversation? Mm -hmm. And then um, I really try to get people to find the sweet spot of like, you know, I feel like a lot of times nowadays, there's this talk out here of like not caring what anybody else thinks. And um, you just need to assert yourself. And and, and I, I personally believe that a relationship is always two people and that that the people that I work with specifically, and I know this is probably the, for you as well, Tamala, but the people that I work with have lost themselves and their sense of themselves in the relationship. So I work with them to regain that sense of self. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm bumping up that concept, that self-concept, right. But we can't do that at the expense of forgetting that there's another person in the relationship and that your delivery matters. And so really, um, you know, realizing and thinking about like, who do I want to be when I come into this conversation? What do I want my tone to be? How do I want my delivery to be? And, and, and what do I need to set up within myself in order to um, be that person and to bring that person forward in the midst of this conversation? And then, really just thinking about like um, what what do I I, I tell people to like write out but it can be so helpful to write out a bullet point list you know yeah. um, because in the moment you you may forget it can be difficult yes. um, so just have a couple of bullet points that you can reference there is no shame in that whatsoever it's difficult to have a hard conversation have something that you can reference um, I'm
0: so glad you said that. Cause that's what yeah. I was going to say. Cause you know, we say to ourselves, I'm going to get this point out that point. Out. I'm going to say this. And is you forget end. in the moment. And As soon as you look at that person, yeah. it's like, what was, what was, the what, was gonna yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say?
1: Yeah. What was I going to say again? <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. I think and, that's very important. And also I always ask people to put at the top of their paper at the top of their paper, uh, say it with love.
1: Yes. Everything you
0: do, say it with love because a lot of people, especially when you've, you've not had, or you've had low boundaries, you know, you've allowed people to get away with certain Mm -hmm. things that you've allowed, right? So now you want to have these boundaries and you want to stop them from doing certain things. And they're like, well, wait a minute, (laughs) how did we get here? (laughs) It's like, but I'm not punishing you. I'm just trying to be there for myself. So I always try to tell people, just make sure that you say things with love to make sure that it doesn't come off like, "Eh," you know, know, that type of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that to me too, like describe the facts of the situation, talk in, I feel statements, um, really make sure that you're saying it from your own point of view, right. Say it from your own point of view. Um, and then the last thing that I was going to say is just that like, really make sure that it is about you just like you were saying. And it's not about trying to control the other person right. because so often we can get boundaries mixed up and really think to ourselves and, and kind of try to sneak in some of that controlling of the other person. Your boundary is saying what you are going to do, what right. you are going to do. And you are still allowing, if the other person still wants to continue to while out with whatever behavior, they are more, more than free to do so, right? You are not putting mm-hmm. any restraint or restriction. They have they have absolute freedom. It's just saying, if you continue to do this, mm-hmm. this is what I am going to do in right. response.
0: And Love so that. I just
1: always like to make sure and say that because I think that as we're first stepping into boundaries, we can be like, um, almost like try to exert power over another person instead of staying in our own power of what, right. what we can do for mm-hmm. ourselves.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I think that's, that's very, very important. I'm glad that you said that. I don't think that I've ever thought about it where people can use boundaries as a control mechanism. Oh, Ah! Ah! yes. Not, not at all what it's about people. No, (laughs) that's not what it's about. Yeah. That's good. I like that. So, I know that we're, uh, we're getting toward the end of our time. So I want to ask you, first of all, this has been a pleasure. Yes, it's been so good. I love the, you've just opened up my mind. I've got so many things on my head now. <laughs> I'll be writing notes yeah. and stuff later. Um, but if you could tell the audience anything that could help them in healthy relationships, what would it be?
1: Mm, know yourself, know yourself. I mean, that's the simplest and the most complicated thing that I can tell you. And when I say yes, the simplest
0: and the most,
1: (laughs) most of the time, the simplest things are the most complicated. Yes, I love that. Yeah. You know, it's like when I say know yourself, I mean know your nervous system, know your emotions, know your thoughts, understand how all of those things are tied together because I can guarantee you they are right. When my nervous system is in this state, then my thoughts are here. And then my emotions are here. And then I have a behavioral urge to do XYZ, right? Like they are all interconnected. And so start to really understand and and my gosh, please dig deep with someone like me or Tamala, you know, it's really, really hard to Um, have this level of self-awareness without somebody being a mirror to you. And that's what coaches are. They're helping, they're helping, you know, to hold that mirror up to yourself, to be able to see yourself more clearly, to be able to see your patterns, your behaviors. Um, If if things aren't working for you, like, you know, I always say to people what the results are, and this can be a really confronting thing, but the results, in your relationship are telling you information about what needs work. A lot of times we think that the result we're seeing in our life, it's the result of other people, or it's just the result of circumstances, or I just have bad luck or whatever. And I'm going to say, no, a big fat no to that because we are a common denominator and we are always in, in our relationship. And we always have Power and control. Whether or not we're exercising or not is another thing, right? Very true. Um, but I've gone off into another rabbit trail. But know
0: yourself. Oh, I love it. I love that. I love that. And I want to let the audience know that they can find out more about you and get you do free consultations, right?
1: I do. Yeah. Well, I do free coaching calls because, in my opinion. I don't know. It doesn't sit right to me to have to sign up with a coach. If I've never experienced their coaching, I I want you to be able to experience my coaching. And also I want to know how it feels to coach you because this is a two way street, right? We need to both feel that it's a fit. We both need to be able to feel that out. So instead of um, just consultations, I actually do a a complimentary coaching call so that you can experience my coaching and I can experience coaching you.
0: Yeah. I love that because again, just like in relationships, you have to make sure that that person is right for you. So I love that. Very, very good. Reciprocity is real over here, people. So they can contact you or find out more about you at www.kim.kimblecoaching.com, right? Well, it's Kim Kimball all
1: dot com, all one word. And Kimball is spelled K-I-M-B-A-L-L. Yeah.
0: Of course I got it wrong. I'm sorry. Oh, I was okay? I, I have written right, just didn't say it right. So yeah. again, it's www.kimkimballcoaching.com. Yes, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the Codependent Me podcast. This has been wonderful. Thank you. This was a delight. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. So I want to let the audience know. As we say all the time, you matter and your story matters, and you guys have a fantastic day. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time, so thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me, and check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.